Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. You can uh, grab your seat. So good to be together this morning. It is good to be in church, isn't it? I love that we get to be in church, get to be together. And God wants to do something in our lives today. I believe God wants to come and speak into your life, whether you're here in the room, whatever campus you're at, whether you're watching online, we really believe that uh, a word from God can just change your life just overnight, you know, in an instant. Yes, some things take a little bit longer, but I believe sometimes God can just drop that word into our lives, into our situations. And I, my privilege today to, to speak God's word to you this morning. The title of my message is this, The Good Fight. The Good Fight. And I want to read uh, my sort of key verse uh, to you this morning. It's from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. And it says this, Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight. When I was preparing this message, one of the first things I thought about, sadly, was where in my early school days. Do you remember school fights? <laughs> I remember school fights. I tried not to get involved with school fights, but I, I, I'm old enough to remember those early days in school where we actually had a, a fighting place. There was an actually designated area, and there was a designated time at the end of the day as well for the school fight. I never got involved. I was a good boy. I never got involved. I was more likely to get involved in a fight with my older sister. That was my fight with my older sister. You might not believe this, but I used to wind her up a lot. I mean, you can't imagine that I would do that, can you, to my older sister, but she was quite easy to wind up, and I used to do that. She once came at me with an iron, literally attacked me with an iron and a knife one day. So it didn't get any further than that. Not, nothing happened, but... Uh, but I'm, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover, not a fighter. That's me. I'm no fighter. <laughs> Do you ever feel, though, that you're in a fight today? Do you feel sometimes that you're in a battle? What are you fighting for today? Let me read this verse again to you. That Paul is writing to a young Timothy who's a leader of the church in Ephesus. And he says there is a fight that we're in. Let me read it to you again. This is a fight that we're in. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were made, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight. I want us to notice a couple of things about that phrase, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. It's, it's a good fight. It's not a bad fight. It's a good fight. What makes it a good fight? Well, it's a singular fight. It's not fight the good fights. How often are we in so many battles, so many fights, but there is one fight. That's very important that we focus on the fight today. Don't get caught up in fights, plural. Focus on the fight. And that's important for us in our culture. And it comes, and, and, and it comes to the, the times and the seasons in which we live that we understand there is one fight for us to fight. And it will always culminate with that one big idea, to love God and to love people. To love God, to love people. It is the gospel of Jesus. It's the good news of Jesus. That's what we're fighting for today, to bring that good news. And I want to encourage you today how we can stay strong in our faith, 
that we can maintain a passion for Jesus, for the good news of Jesus, to maintain that passion in our faith. And I believe that's what Paul was encouraging Timothy in, in that moment, to, to keep fighting that good fight that he's been called to. And you know, fighting the fight of faith is different to any other kind of fight that you might be facing. It's not a fight that frustrates you. It's not a fight that frustrates you. It's actually fighting from a position of peace and rest. It's fighting from a position of grace that God has already won the battle, that he's already won, that Jesus has already said, it is finished. And that's what we're, we're fighting from. It's a battle that's already been won. And so we find ourselves literally just walking out our faith day by day in our lives. That's not easy. But remember, that battle has been won. And we've got Jesus, we've got God, the Holy Spirit, helping us in that day-to-day -day walk with him. just want us to look at that statement that Paul says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. We probably don't say enough necessarily about eternal life, about heaven, that we are looking forward to going there. And I'm not saying that we should become, and somebody once said this many years ago, we shouldn't become so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. But neither should we be so earthly minded that we're not living today for what God has promised us in eternity. And that's where we're coming from today, that we can live today knowing the promises of eternity. Hopefully that spurs us on to what we're doing today. Eternity is forever. It is forever Remember that the decisions, though, that we make today to go on or to give up, to walk in love or to stay bitter and resentful, to live a life of anger and unforgiveness or to be merciful and forgiving. And we make decisions like that every day, all day long. And I believe we need to make those decisions in light of eternity that we make those decisions from that point of looking at the promises of God in the future. We need to realize that this is not all there is. Whatever today is, whatever you're facing today, whatever life you're living, this isn't just it. This is just a moment in eternity. It's a moment in eternity, in the grand scheme of God's eternal plans and purposes. And the reason he's saying fight the good fight is with a view of eternity in mind, to make sure that we don't quit, that we don't give up now and lose the very best that God has for us. Let's live a life now for the promises we have for a future with God in eternity where there's no crying, there's no tears, there's no sadness, no hatred, no bitterness, no sin, no shame. Let me encourage us today, whether you're watching online or in the room, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Let's not give up doing what we know is right and what is good in our lives. And I want us to look at how Paul encouraged Timothy in his second letter to him. We're going to turn to that in a moment. And how we can be encouraged and spurred on today in the season we find ourselves in. Paul followed up these words to fight the good fight in his second letter in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm just going to read the first 14 verses. So it's a bit of a reading some text this morning, but I just love these words and I really want us to, to listen to what Paul says to Timothy and be encouraged this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of, of Christ Jesus, 
by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. I always pause there because my mom's called Eunice. <laughs> in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Verse 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me his prisoner. Rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has not saved us and called us, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a, a herald and an apostle and a teacher, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no concern, no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Incredible words that Paul was writing to Timothy. You know, just a bit of context around these verses. The year is AD 67. Nearly 2,000 years ago, Paul is in a, a Roman prison. It's written just before his death. These were probably Paul's last written words uh, just before he went uh, to, be pers- to be executed. Just a number of years before that, in Rome, uh, Nero had blamed the Christians because Rome had burned as a city. And this caused many Christians to be executed, to be persecuted. And many Christians had pulled back from their faith and they were beginning to go into hiding. Uh, They weren't sharing their faith. And and these words essentially, like I said, was Paul's last words to Timothy and the church. You know, when you read those first four verses, Paul's not in the best situation. But he's not sitting in pity. You know, he's writing from a concern for Timothy. And then verses 5 and 6, Paul tells Timothy to remain faithful in the calling God had given him, not to pull back or to lose hope. And I think that was the encouragement I wanted to bring to us today, that we don't pull back when discouragement comes, when we go through those seasons, not to pull back, but to stay faithful to what God has called us to, to keep that passion and that fervor. You know, maybe Timothy was experiencing a kind of burnout. You know, some of the things that we go through uh, could be described as burnout. You know, maybe we've experienced something like that over the last 18 months, two years. A definition of burnout is this. Exhaustion physically, emotionally, mentally, losing motivation as a result of prolonged stress or frustration. Maybe you face some of that. 
Maybe you face burnout. You know, what are the causes? Well, I've got, I want to suggest four reasons that might have affected us today, maybe affecting us today, and to encourage us further, that we can, you know, not allow that burnout to, to stop us and to hold us back for what God has called us to. The first thing is familiarity. Familiarity, where we've allowed something precious to become familiar, to become ordinary, every day to become, to become common. We just ran, Jane and myself ran the marriage course here at Icon Church. And, you know, one of the things uh, that is encouraged there, or one of the things that, uh, to be, be careful of, that where our relationships don't go dry because, uh, our, you know, the preciousness of a relationship has become that's begun to drift or to become too familiar. You know, we can go through that in our relationships, can't we? And we've got to keep, you know, that passion, keep that freshness to our relationship. I read this quote about familiarity. It says this, the more time I spend with anyone or anything, the more familiar it becomes. The more familiar it becomes, the less excited I become about it. How many of us have experienced that before, where thing, things become so familiar, so, so, so common that we lose that passion, that excitement for. That can happen in our faith, you know, when we're living out our faith, when we're walking it out, when things we're doing are repetitive, you know, we can, we can allow things to become familiar and it can cause burnout and us dropping off. But you know we're here for the lost. We're here for Jesus. We're here to reach out and to see people finding Jesus. And we should never lose sight of that. That's the good fight that we're in. Never let that become so familiar to us that we, we, we burn out and we lose a passion for it. The second thing, I think, is a need for approval. Sometimes that can cause us to burn out and, and to turn the passion down. You know, we all want to be loved. We all want to be needed. We all want to be accepted by others. And if you want real passion, you need to recognize that while passion draws some people, it also puts other people off. And sometimes a desire for pop popularity pours water, I think, on that fire, that passion for God, where we're thinking, you know, without thinking about it, we turn the fire of passion down. You know, we trade passion for, for approval. So let's be careful of that, that we, we don't lose that passion because maybe other people are, are pouring scorn on that. The third thing, I think, is apathy. We can all face apathy. You know, just waking up in the morning, we just feel like, I don't feel like going to work today. <laughs> or, you know, or just, you know, that, that apathy can creep in. And the word means without love. People have lost their first love. What once caused our hearts to beat faster now barely affects our pulse. And we fall into routine or ruts. You see, we can become routine about our faith. We can become routine about going to church. But let's stay passionate for it. It is a routine. It is something that we do week in, week out. But there's a great reason for that. You know, that we're here to build the church. We're here to reach out to the lost. We're here to live for Jesus and to love others. And the fourth thing is an, perhaps an obvious one, but, you know, we, we, we don't often address this, is, is the fact that people, other people affect us. You know, you've heard that expression of birds of a feather flock together. And it's the same with people. Who are we hanging out with? You know, uh, one of the things that I remember we said as we were growing up, you are who you hang out with. You know, the people that you associate with, the people, you know, you become that sort of group of people, as it were. So let's get around passionate people. Let's get around people that love God, that love others. You know, let's be passionate about that. Let's be careful who, who we spend time with. 
because burnout can affect us all. You know, we, we can all be affected by that, especially, as I said, during the kind of season that we've been in. And this is probably where Timothy is, and it's where our nation is. It's where we are today. And Paul is encouraging Timothy, and I'm encouraging you today, don't give up. Don't pull back. Don't allow, allow that burnout. Fan the flame. Verse 6, for this reason, 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of, of my hands. Paul is encouraging Timothy, reminding him, you know, to fan into flame that what, what God has put in his, in his life. You know, our calling is greater than our knockbacks. Our calling is greater than our weariness. It's greater than the sorrow. It's greater than criticism. It's greater than the comments in social media. Our calling is greater than that. It's greater than the frustrations that we face. And I just wanted to remind us this morning of three ways that we can fan the flame, that we can fight the fight, the good fight of faith. I just want to remind us of three things and you know, from these verses. And number one is this, remember the spark. Remember the spark. It's all about fire, by the way. <laughs> remember the spark, the roots of your faith. Where did it all begin? And I love this verse because it's got my mum's name in it. But 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Here's what he's talking about, a generational faith. You know, let's remember our roots. I know maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian household, but someone somewhere passed on what was passed on to them, a passion for Jesus. Somebody dropped that spark into your life. Somebody ignited something in your soul. And you know, I believe that as we remember that, that we can be that spark in somebody else's life as, as well. You know, the invitation the spark. Who can be the spark uh, for you, for us today? Who can we be the spark for today? I love what Paul, our Paul, our lead pastor Paul talked about the other week about the power of invitation. You know, that we can invite somebody. We can be the good news. We can share the good news. And uh, we can, you know, just see people coming into God's kingdom. So the encouragement is don't give up. You can be that spark. You can be that, that ignition in somebody's life. Fan the flame by remembering those as well who have gone before us. You know, you have a story to share. You've got a story to tell, you know, others. And I have a story to tell. I remember the age of 16 when, God, when I encountered God so powerfully in a conference very much like the One event. You know, however many years ago that was... <laughs> I was 16, but I just remember there was a spark, there was an ignition in my life that gave me this incredible passion, not just for Jesus, but for building his church as well. And I remember that. So recall, recount those, remember that spark. I believe as well, salvation is a key, that we're saved to serve. That's why we need to be thankful for our salvation. You know, thinking about familiarity again. Remember when you were first saved. Go back to that moment, that passion that you had for Jesus. Are we thankful for our salvation today? Let it be that driver to keep us going, that we're being good news, that we're sharing good the good news of the gospel. Remember the spark. Secondly, number two, remember the fuel. Remember the fuel. There's also a fuel that helps us to fan the flame, to keep the flames burning. You know, when it comes to fanning the flame and maintaining our passion, make sure you have a fireplace. 
And I love that thought of having a fireplace. The reason that I, I love that is I grew up in the coal industry, so I know what a fireplace is. It's not just a boiler now, you know, but, or it is just a boiler now, but there were, maybe some of you still have, have fireplaces. You know, I, I used to burn coal, and now a lot of people are burning logs now in a, in a log, whatever they call them, but, um, but I love that. <laughs> what do they call them? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but a fireplace is important, isn't it? To keep the fuel, to keep the flames going, you know, if it's... You know, it's just important that we have a fireplace. And that's why, just to read that verse again in 2 Timothy 1.6. And Paul exhorts Timothy, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Stir up the gift that is in you. You know, everyone knows that a fireplace is a safe place to have a fire. It's a place where we can put the logs on or the coal or whatever. And... (laughs) And that, uh, you know, that it's a place where, you know, that we can share one another's heat. And I believe that Christians need a place where our passion can burn passionately and brightly, where passion is encouraged and where the passion of one person can inflame the passion of another. And that place, obviously, is the church. You know, the fireplace, God's fireplace, to be passionate together. He gave us the church as a fireplace, as a safe place for us to burn. Christians who are living with a passion for Jesus in a world that resists passion need the church. They need Jesus, yes, and, you know, but we also know the church brings Jesus, the life of Jesus, the words of Jesus. And that's where the church, where the love of Jesus is evident to our world. When we're isolated, you know, when we're not in that fireplace, we begin to, to, to listen to the words of the enemy, to believe lies that we're alone, that no one cares that we don't deserve to be forgiven or loved. We can go cold, you know, the flame can and, and will die. That's why we need each other. We need each other to remind one another how much we are loved, how much God loves us, how much I, I love you and you love me, hopefully. But there's that real encouragement of coming together uh, and just spurring one another on. That's why I love these verses in Hebrews 10. 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That thought of eternity there again with regards to meeting together, that we're looking into a future, but we're gathering together. We're not giving up. And, you know, we all have difficult periods in our lives that test our faith, that test our relationships. And we have an enemy that uses those low moments to drive a wedge between those who we love. And I genuinely believe one of the key reasons for the church is just what it says in these verses, is to encourage, to spur one another on. You know, when we draw back in tough times, and in good times, we can draw back in good times as well as bad times. When we drop off gathering together, I think our faith is weakened and we lose sight of the importance of our calling, that we forget the good fight of faith that we're fighting. And we're meant to do that together and not on our own. It's important that we gather 
together. There's power in community. There's power in unity. It's why I love connect groups. You know, I'm passionate about connect groups. And I encourage you, if you're not in a connect group, you know, get in a connect group. Because just that small group of encouragement, of spurring one another on in faith is incredible. As well as being in connect groups, you know, join a team. You know, serve on a team. Again, it's a great way of doing life together, of encouraging one another, of spurring one another on that we're serving God together in team. And that's why this verse is so true in Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need one another. We need one another in relationship to encourage one another, to sharpen one another, to keep the passion burning in our lives of faith. Remember the spark. Remember the fuel. And finally and thirdly, remember the source. Remember the source. Not HP, not tomato. Remember the source. 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 and 9, it says this, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the, for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Sometimes we've simply got to stop relying on ourselves and start relying on God. You know, to stop just relying on ourselves and begin to rely on God. How many times do we try and fix the situation ourselves when God wants us to hand it over to him? You know, we wrestle with weariness because we're trying to do it all in our own strength. I think that's why Jesus had in mind when he, he quoted Psalm 69 verse 9, he said, passion for God's house burns within me, burns within me. David makes it a little bit clearer in Psalm 119, 139, when he said, my zeal wears me out. You see, passion, a zeal like fire, it consumes. Therefore, we will wrestle with weariness as that fire burns within us. You know, it consumes us, that we become tired. Here's the answer. I love this in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 and 31. It says, even youths grow tired and weary and struggle to get up in the morning. <laughs> and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I love that. I th- think one of the things is, is staying enthusiastic, having an enthusiasm in our lives, in our faith. You know, positive thinking is not enough. Talking yourself into posit- optimism, optimism is not enough on its own. The way I believe we stay enthusiastic for a lifetime is found in that word enthusiasm. The word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word en on entheos. En or on is the Greek word for the English in, and theos is the Greek word for God. So entheos means to be in God. When we get in God, we will be enthusiastic. I think sometimes we're just not quite in God. We're just over here somewhere trying to, to do it in our own strength. Stay with God. Stay in God. He is the source of our passion, our strength. And it's the kind of enthusiasm that isn't affected by the economy, thankfully, or the weather, or our circumstances. It's eternal because we are tied to eternal, the eternal God that you're in Christ today. Listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1. 8 and 9, because Paul faced hardship. He faced struggle. 
And this is what he said. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That we don't rely on ourselves, but we rely on God. Go to the source for your strength to endure, to not give up. This is our confidence. He's never failed us yet. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, there have been many situations where we want to throw our hands up and to just give up. Let's finish what we start. Let's finish what we start. Some of Paul's final words to Timothy. We're in 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 and 7. And he said this, he said to Timothy, verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. He's talking about being executed here. So Paul's right at the end of his life. And then he said this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's my encouragement to us today. Fight the good fight of faith. Finish the race. Keep the faith. Amen.